in service of Stefan Ozic. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Living in Service podcast. Firstly, I'm real sorry on my end for the immense delays on these episodes. Haven't really got <clears throat> much of an excuse, just life. <clears throat> but I'm here, I'm back. Uh, Happy New Year. Technically it's March coming up so I don't even know if you can say that but as far as I'm concerned it still feels like it's January 5th so tuning back in it's a real honour and I'm so grateful that you're coming back in for another episode and another conversation and I'm really looking forward to bringing to you another year of some insightful and some real compelling engaging and fun conversations. This one to start off the year was with a legend in the ultra running scene. Another endurance athlete. I know I can't kind of steer away from these individuals because they're just too compelling and their stories are just too engaging. And I think what they have to offer and the perspectives they have are just extremely valuable for just the everyday man and the person that's wanting to try get more out of life. And this person's name is Fiona Havis and she is a female ultra runner who is also a mother and a wife and she's done some pretty epic shit. And we get to kind of explore this in this conversation. We get to talk about her process of running and what sort of got her in this space. We talk about the different formats in which she's embarked upon. There's 24-hour races, there's 48-hour races, there's backyard ultras. Those that listened to my previous episode of Sam Harvey will know what I'm talking about there. Um, we talk about what it takes to be a runner and the mental fortitude required. We talk about how to juggle being a mother and being a wife, um, being a partner, um, and just being an everyday person, what it takes to do such feats and go out and push the body to such limits. Um, we explore her nutrition, and a real cool point was when we talk about her perspective on facing difficulty and how this isn't what can define you, um, difficulty and it's not the end for you it's not the last say you know there's always more and you're not defined by a situation where you feel you need to quit or you need to stop or you need to slow down that that can't define you and it shouldn't define you and it only really defines you if you're allowed to but you can move on from it um you have a conversation arc really went through some yeah, some great spaces of um, insight and perspective on life and her journey. And I think it's this is a conversation valuable for uh, not the endurance athlete, but for any person, the, the life endurance uh, liver, <laughs> the liver of life. And that's kind of what we all are and that's all what we're trying to do. So anyway, um, thank you all again for tuning in. Uh, Thanks also to the support of the podcast and the love of the podcast, the likes, the reviews, that goes a long way. So if at any point 
you feel you want to support the podcast, that's probably the best way you can do so uh, through um, Apple, uh, iTunes, uh, podcasts, or through Spotify, or through sharing via um, the YouTube. I've got my YouTube videos coming up now, and I'm going to be bringing out more and more of them. So watch that space, and yeah, just any form of love is is, is well received, and I and I appreciate that. So yeah, I won't bore you any longer. Tune in, strap up, and enjoy the conversation. Well, thank you for joining today, Fiona. I'm real um, blessed and honoured to be sitting down with you. Uh, so yeah, thanks, thanks for jumping on board. Yeah, well, thank you for the invite. I think it you've. It was um, at Riverhead, actually, we first started chatting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. A couple of years ago. Yeah, mm. 2000, well, well, a year ago now, 2022 at the um, yeah. Riverhead Backyard Ultra. That's right, yeah. That and then my... again in, at Tarawera. And then and again at Tarawera, the, that was... In the forest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're on a, we're on a um, real big climb, Fiona and I, and at that point, uh, I was behind and I knew you were up ahead and not that I was wanting to catch you, but I was like, <laughs> if I could, if I could catch up to her and just have a yarn with her, I'll be stoked. And I remember we were on this climb and you were with your pacer and you were battling hard. I think you were wearing purple at the time. So you were super yes. So it was like a real like good target to have just that purple person in front of me. <laughs> and then I remember like we're, you know, in a flow for probably a good five, 10 minutes. And then I remember asking you, oh, Fiona, do this podcast. And I think I'd mentioned yeah. it to you last the year before. And then I was like, oh, would you be keen to jump on? You're like, yeah, cool. Let's talk about it. And I was like, yeah, let's definitely talk about it at the end of the race. So that was a funny little moment in that it was, many yes, four hours of suffering. <laughs> yes many more hours so yeah. can, you, can you talk about that race a bit Fiona because um I saw that yeah you weren't exactly in the most huh, peaceful of places what was that no no um it wasn't my best yeah best 100 miler or yeah best race um what happened I I um I was looking forward to that race because it was a contingency course for Tarawera this year because there'd been a lot of slips on the original course. So we were doing um more just around Rotorua and so it was going to be flatter. So I thought that that would suit me more. There was sort of less less technical and well it completely cut out the technical part of the course. Um so I went into it feeling good about the race um started out well um a little too well perhaps because I got through the first aid station before my crew made it there I left the blue lake turned around just for one last look and there they were driving into the <laughs> into the parking lot so I waved at them as I went back into the bush I was like, I hope they make it to the next stage station in time. Um, but yes, and then uh, got to Rotorua and the lakefront for the first time. Um, and then into that first big loop. And we're still on our own then, weren't we? Yes, we didn't have a pacer for the first, no. first time round the loop. Yeah. And 
it wasn't I was going okay but um yeah as I said I, I'm not sure really what went wrong but uh, perhaps I did push a bit too hard at the start I wasn't patient enough because you have to be so patient with 100 miles compared to you know the, sh the shorter ultra distances so um I thought perhaps my nutrition was a little bit off so I was trying you know different some different nutrition um and yeah it was it was very up and down and and then it was great to get a pace my pacer with me um and that that did help but, but I think by that stage the damage was done um and yeah I was having quite blurred vision and wow. yeah just just really struggling um having to use all my mental capacity just to keep going um but I did finish um and then I was we could go into the medical tent afterwards and they were um suspected that I had uh, my sodium levels were out and so I didn't have hadn't been taking enough salt my salt levels were too low um there is a name for it I, uh, I should know what it is, uh, medical term. Um, and, yeah, basically monitored me for a bit. But, yeah, they did They did send me home, but, but with precautionary measures and make sure that I focused on, you know, salty foods for the for the next 24 hours or so and just really keep a close eye on it, which I did. Um, yeah, I, every race is different, like, and, and you try and analyse it all afterwards and, work out what went right and what went wrong and it's not always it's not it's not easy to pinpoint yeah what what goes wrong um and yeah but each each race you just learn a little bit more about about yourself about um about what you're using you tweak things that yeah each race um tweak your nutrition and your um and your gear and things and yeah, and then keep on moving forward and on to the next one. <laughs> Hope for the best. <laughs> That's how it goes. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to talk about that, Fiona, because as you yeah. said, yeah, it wasn't wasn't your first by any measure, yet you still encountered those battles and those barriers. And I think mm. that's something for the layperson listening that understanding that once you start to reach out into these distances of hundred K plus that even though you've managed to achieve it and do that before, it's in the body and it's also in the mind mm. that you're mm. able to reach that capacity that you're still going to encounter those mm -hmm. mentally. So mm. for you in that race, because it was just that, it, it was a real battle, what sort of um, tools and, you know, where did you turn to? Did you have, like, any, like, resources externally, say, like, um, books or mentors or did you have any mantras? Mm. Um, you said you had a problem with the nutrition, but what what were some tools you used to kind of help you to get through that? Because you said that you had to use a lot of your mental resolve to kind of keep pushing. Mm. What did mm. that look like? Yeah, so I've run quite a few ultras now. So yeah, when it when the going gets tough, I do think a lot about um, past races and past experiences um, where it's either been better or or even 
been more difficult and and I um, talk to myself about the fact that I've been here before and that I've been able to push through um, and, yeah, sort of visualise those times and think, well, it's not as bad as that time, so, you know, mm-hmm. keep on moving forward. Um, yeah, so there's a, yeah, the, and the body, you're right, the body does remember and, you know, that, that I've been there before, so I sort of rely a bit on that. Um I have some, yeah, I do have some mantras and I, they stay fairly consistent, although um, they do, I do tweak them a little bit from year to year. Um, and so I, I try and go into the race with, with three focus mantras for that race. Um, I use music. I didn't, when I first started doing, doing these ultras, I sort of thought, oh, I don't need that. Like, um, yeah, what's the point? But I actually find it really helpful these days, um, particularly in the longer events, is to get my headset on and um, and listen to some uh, playlists. Uh, I find, yeah, I can. I find if it's the right music, it can be really uplifting. Um, equally, if it's if it's the wrong music, which I've had times, it's like, oh, why did I leave this in the playlist? It's like more frustrating. It's like, quick, get that through, you know. What kind of song? What kind of song are we talking about? <laughs> if there's one where it's, oh, not what I want. Uh, no, uh, I, I don't know. I can't think of an example, but just sometimes, I, mean, I don't know, maybe it's too, um, a little too slow, like, because I'm trying to, with the music, I'm trying to get something that's quite upbeat uh, and that I can get into a into a good rhythm, running rhythm with. So mm-hmm. um, I like sort of like dance music, um, funky house, that sort of stuff. It just sort of gets me going. Um, I, yeah, I reminisce about my earlier years and stuff. So I find that helpful. Although, interestingly, as my son's got a bit older, so he's 11 now, um, he's getting more into music and he's started putting playlists together for me. And I find that really helpful too. That's really motivating because I am able to think back to the evenings where he spent his time putting the playlist together. So mm. the songs even have more meaning now, particularly if you know, if I know it's a playlist that he's put together. So that, So that's really cool too. So, oh, you were talking about, yeah, how to get through the hard times. Mm. I mean, my, yeah, my, thinking about my family, my, you know, my son and my husband, um, knowing that, that you know, they've had to put up with me training a lot, being away from home, you know, training or, or going to a particular event, event uh, and then supporting me at events is um, another, something that I draw on to help me, keep moving forward when you you know into some of those dark holes um yeah i find that helps um yeah mm. i think it's quite practical and for those listening i think you can take away that even just the power of mantra because that's why i mm. ask because that's something i've been utilizing myself on my mm-hmm. journey into this ultra endurance space that it's kind of nice to kind of find yourself in that repetitive mantra but then it kind of becomes this rhythmic process and 
it grounds you a bit even when you're in mm. the most pain you've probably ever encountered yeah I'd love to um kind of go to your back backstory because as I'm aware you've been doing these you know for for a good good chunk of time and the experience that comes with that and uh, uh, mental tools and also just the insights from like a daily life perspective this is something that how I've found personally on my journey while I've torn, um, turned so clo so close into these long distances is that there's a lot of time with yourself and a lot of time to process your emotions and process pain and process through character and the kind of person you want to be and kind of tools and utilizing these aspects of the race and translating it to life. That was kind of my reason getting into it. I'd love to know how your reasonings came to it and also talking about your first actual race, which was at the Gobi Desert, which I found mm. <laughs> insane to think that your first ultra would be a stage race. If you could first kind of explain your intentions and kind of your background as to how you got into this running and then we could talk mm. about the Gobi Desert race, which was your inaugural race. <laughs> yes, pretty unorthodox way of getting into ultra running. Um, yes, and not I wouldn't, you know, recommend it for everybody just to go straight from, I think the longest I'd done was a, a marathon event, the Auckland Marathon, actually, before that. Uh, yes, wow, such a big question. Where did it all start? And um, way, way back, it, I, the earliest I sort of remember running on a regular basis uh was when I was at high school. I went off to boarding school um, at the age of about 12 or 13 um, and I didn't um, enjoy it that much. <laughs> and I guess I used running as a tool to have some time to myself and some time away from the boarding school confines um, so I was, as I got, yeah, it must have been in my later years of boarding school, so I was allowed to, like, go out the gates and go for a run in the mornings before breakfast. And through those years, I I guess I discovered the, the power of, um, you know, running, being able to help with your mental well-being, um, as well as... Um, as well as keeping me physically healthy. But um, that's when it sort of all first started. And then it, it for running for me just sort of continued like that for, you know, quite a number of years through my, through university and through um, my 20s. Um, it wasn't till I was heading towards 30 that I thought perhaps I, could do some running races and it was when I was living in Auckland um and I I don't know for some reason I just <clears throat> decided that as I was heading towards 30 that I wanted to run a marathon before I turned 30 so um about I think about 12 months out I enlisted a coach um and uh that was successful because I you know completed the marathon um and I completed it in a time that I thought at that stage was quite respectable. So I was quite um, 
keen to sort of see where my running could you know could take me whether or not I had if I put some more training in then and did some more races it, you know I could go further with it um but at the time you know, around that time my mother became very ill with uh, breast cancer and so I guess it's quite a long story but um I ended up leaving Auckland and, and going back to live with my family in the South Island, my father and mum in the South Island over the last um, month or so while she was still alive. And so I wasn't focused on the running and it wasn't, um, I wasn't focusing on it from a results point of view um, or, you know, running for any particular races. I was just, again, I guess fell back on it as a um, for for my mental well being, um, and then after she passed away and uh, a few months went by, um, I ended up in Wellington, and this is in uh, about two thousand and six, and um, I was still just doing a bit of short running. And then as the years went by, I I was suffering. I guess looking back now, I was suffering quite a lot from the grief of losing my mother. And I was using the running um, as a tool to, to work through that grief. And I was finding that I was going out for longer and longer runs. And I I was enjoying that. Like I was enjoying the challenge, I think. And it just... It helped take my mind off um, the grief that I was trying to process. And so I would, yeah, I would just, and would come the weekend, I was working like, you know, Monday to Friday job. So come the weekend, I would, um, yeah, set myself bigger, uh, longer, you know, challenges with my running. Um, and yeah, I didn't have a coach or anything. I, I just built built the running up myself um and then in 2000 coming up to 2010 this um sort of acquaintance he was a kiwi but he was based over in in china and he sent out an email looking for people who might be interested in joining him he'd signed up for this um ultra marathon i suppose it was called remember through the stage race through the gobi desert in china uh, it was around June, I think it was around the middle of the year, and in 2010. And I was working in travel at the time, um, and I love traveling, and I also love running. So I was like, I was like, great, sign me up, I'm in. I'd love to do that. So I don't know, I didn't see any barriers. Like I'd never, obviously never done anything like that before. As I said, the longest I'd done was that Auckland Marathon. And I hadn't, I hadn't done any other long events, um, and since I'd just been doing this own running myself, um, and probably up until signing up for that event, I'd only been doing 25, 30k sort of distances, mm. and yeah. So anyway, I signed up. So then it was committed. I'm committed. I'm doing it, uh, and so then I just had to make sure that I felt like I was um, ready and going to be, you know, capable of 
of completing this thing. Uh, and so, yeah, so I just worked myself out a bit of a training schedule. Um, one of the days, so with, with the Gobi Desert, you you basically you travel um, 200, about 250 kilometres um, through this area of, of China over in the northwest. Um, and you have to carry everything in your backpack apart from a tent. They provide a tent and um, they provide water. It's at aid stations sort of along the way, tents along the way. But you have to carry everything else, all your food and clothing. So, yeah, it was really interesting. Like, it's the only one that I've done, actually. Wow. And I'd still like to do more, but <laughs> it's the only stage race that I've done so far. Um, but it was a huge learning curve. And thankfully, as you would have discovered in ultra running, people are super helpful, people that have been and done events, whatever distance it is. Um, if you meet them and you start chatting to them, they're more than happy to to share their experiences with you and, you know, help out a new person. So I got into chats with, you know, a fair couple of people that had done it before. So, yeah, it was I learned a lot. You know, things like cut your toothbrush in half so then it's, you know, less weight and, and your bedroll that you need to carry as well. Like I think I cut that in half so it was basically – the bed roll that I slept on only covered from my bottom to my shoulders, <laughs> things like that to save on weight. So, but as part of my training, my I worked out as part of my training for that, that I wanted to try and see, make sure because what, the, the long day you have to run a hundred, about a hundred Ks. And I wanted to um, see that I, it's end. not the last day. It's the second, about the second to last day. And then the last day you do about 10 Ks. Okay. As like the final to the the finish line in the town, um, but so I, in order to get to 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 see if I could do the hundred k's, I signed up for a um, Oxfam, and in those days it was just one in Taupo, and um, I was going to be part of a team, but uh, I don't. It was <laughs> it was all a bit confusing, but to cut a long story short. I didn't get to Taupo to run with that team. Um, I, so they only let me know like that day that they weren't able to have an extra person in the team. Back in the day, you used to be able to have extra like reserves and then if someone wasn't feeling great, you could swap them out. But anyway, the rules changed. And so they rang me from Taupo and said, sorry, the rules have changed. You won't be able to run with the team. And so we were sort of halfway up the Cavity Coast and I'd mentally prepared to run 100Ks that weekend. So I was like, okay, what are we going to do? So we pull over to the side of the road, have a conference about what, what am I going to do? And what I ended up doing was um, mapping out basically what I thought was 10Ks along the Capiti Coast, along the um, foreshore and uh, mostly on the beach. And so the next morning got up. And basically, I just started running and I did up and down the stretch 10 times on my own. Well, with my with my now husband, he, yes, I think he was my husband then, I can't remember the sequence of dates. But um, he would, some of the laps, he would wait at one end and I'd go there and back. And then sometimes he would drive to the other end 
uh, and then a couple of part way through he drove back to Wellington and picked up his bicycle so he would come with me on some of the laps to do on his bike but anyway I basically ran it on my own uh, and it took about 14 hours uh, that was my that was my first go at doing um, 100ks and yeah <laughs> um so I went anyway I was pleased to it was pretty emotional actually doing doing the first 100ks um and but it was also a confidence booster and that you know that I could do it and so off I went to the Gobi Desert um yeah and then going to the doing that event um is what you know started my love of ultra running um because that was yeah that was the first ultra running event that I'd done um and I met some wonderful people on you know that we shared we shared tents or 10 people in a tent um and I met some some great people um some that I'm still connected with um some Kiwis and Australians and and yeah, it just opened me up to this whole world of ultra running. Um, and one of the guys particularly talked about Tarawera because in those days, this is 2010. So yeah, Tarawera was sort of one of the, well, was the main event. Um, there were a couple of other ones. I mean, the Kepler was going at that stage, but yeah, there weren't so many ultra events in, in those days. Um, and yeah, so I think I just basically came home and signed myself up for the next uh, Tarawera event, which was the following February. And then it's just continued from there. <laughs> Such an organic foray into this space. And I yes. can't go back to your mum because something yeah. tells me that, that that became a real fuel for you and that became a real why for you because mm. it's something to have the willingness to go into these sports just kind of on a whim but it's you kind of had skin in the game and you saw it as a real means of dealing with your grief so mm. I want to talk about that a bit because people do deal deal with grief we all do where it's inevitable in life right because mm. that is something that is inevitable for us so therefore grief will be inevitable as well and it seemed like this was a real healthy people would maybe disagree but it was unhealthy because you're avoiding mm. it I think when you're running the process, you, you're you not running because you're with yourself and with yourself is where the grief is manifesting. So mm. I'm curious how that process for you, how much that was a real tool for you in uh, dealing with that loss of your of your mother and how you still use that present to present day. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and I have had people say to me that um, I mean, I I feel that the running is a healthy way for me to deal with the grief. For me, it is personally, but I, you're right. Some people think that by running, you're just going running, and you're not actually dealing with your emotions and and dealing with it with the grief but I have so much time out there on my own there's no way that I can't be dealing with it because you know you so many thoughts go through your head you, you, there's so much processing time 
Um, and and I and I do when I'm out there running, sometimes even just in a training run, I I do feel that I can let go of the grief more or let go of the emotions that I'm um, trying to process because you know, I'll find myself crying. Like I do cry out there on the trails, um, both in training and, and in races at some point when I'm thinking back to my mother and the loss of my mother. Um, and to me, so to me that's healthy because I've, I've found a way that I can can let go, can let the emotions come to the surface. Um, yeah. It's, again, for those listening, I think that what you can take away from that is that it, there's always a means to process through grief. And mm. I myself have had to deal with grief. I don't want to take away from you, Fiona, but I've lost no. my brother. And in that process, what's helped me and it's continuing to help me is is moving the body. I can't run right at this moment, but I'm still mm. putting that through other endeavors and pursuits of moving the body physically. Strenuously mm. it may be difficult, but I think having that physical feedback, not only you've got the mental pain to deal through, but you've got this physical pain. So it kind of puts it into a context. You can kind of yeah. grasp it more. It's tangible. And I think that's healthy and it's something I've observed in a lot of the ultra runners. And this is something I observed in you and that what I'm hearing from you now is that it's like a very healthy resolve that a lot of people that I've met in the space of ultra running and endurance athletes, whether they're triathletes or the likes, that it's it's a means of finding more about yourself. But I think it's one of the most healthy ways to step into you and, and mm. where your pain rests and how to process for it. It's almost like a, a free therapy session because mm. throughout these runs, you're going through so many highs and lows. Yeah. And you can't get away from that because you're with yourself. And mm. it sounds like in, in your process of getting there, it was so organic and natural, which is is pure. And it, seemed, it just it sounds healthy. It sounds well put together. Yeah. And I mean, I always feel in a far better headspace when I've after I've been for a run I know all most runners say that like whether it's a short run or a long run um there's just something about going for a run and you always come back feeling better like I can't think of once where I've come back feeling worse from being going for a run <laughs> like or going for a bike ride or whatever it is like yeah, it doesn't have to be running. Um, but as you say, moving your body. These days I've been getting back into a bit more yoga. Even from that, you know, um, even because I still feel like I'm processing the grief. Like I don't think it will ever go away. Losing a, a parent or a sibling, the grief's never going to go away. Um, and it does still surface. Like, it, as I said, it surfaces in races, it surfaces in training. It even surfaces for me, I found, in the yoga room. Um, but I would rather be there doing one of those things than, you know, some of the alternatives that 
I may have spiraled into if I hadn't um, grasped onto the ultra running. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's a real reality. And again, as I mentioned, that it's something I've observed in a lot of people in this space. And mm. I I just think, I think, honestly think it's, it's, it's healthy. You know, I'm probably biased because I'm obsessed, <laughs> honestly obsessed with this and, I, I know you are too, and probably yeah. there's people out there that have a similar obsession. And bottom line, I think if you're gonna have to deal through something, it's what better way to do it when you're, it's, it's, it's ultimately you with you, you know, mm. external inputs. There's no other vice like substances or, yeah, uh, avoid. That's right. That's right. Mm. And that's, a, yeah, the thing about ultra running is that. Yeah, most of these, particularly these, the really longer distances is you're just, it's a challenge with yourself. Yeah, it's, you're not, you, we shouldn't really be concerned with what, what others are doing out there. Like, it's whether or not you're going to make it to the finish line. Um, yeah, and and so I guess... In a way, um, yeah. Sorry, I'm not sure where I'm going with that. <laughs> we yeah. can move on to something yeah. else. I don't yeah. know. I got lost, oh, lost in thought there. <laughs> yeah. no, I thought that was great. It's 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 <laughs> it's something actually. You brought up point um the process from a mental standpoint. I already kind of asked you about some tools you had in Tarawera specifically, but if you look at it mm. broader. Stepping back, uh, where where your mind goes, and when you look at that, how have you sort of over the years kind of gone through that process of the mental standpoint of the pain? You know, physically, it's absolutely difficult. Or in the sense that you know you've got seventy k's left mm. of a hundred of a hundred and seventy k run. That when you, as soon as your mind can't even rationalize doesn't even begin to perceive how far away that is how do you ground yourself and what's been mm. um, processes there where you're kind of constantly utilize I already kind of asked this question but it's coming from a different angle because uh, I think it's more mm. relatable to everyday life but that example of looking so far ahead at the finish line yet you know you've got so much longer to go how do you stay in that moment how do you stay in that mm. how do you stay in the body what's been something yeah well, when I find when I find myself starting to think like that to think oh it's you know such a long way to go I'm not even up to halfway I chop that off straight I stop thinking like that straight away and I pull the reins in and just think about the small chunk that I've got to do next um and basically you know when it's a when it's an event it's it's just thinking about to the next A station. That's all you need to think about. And you just have to think about what you need to consume before you get there because, as we know, these ultra events, you can't run on nothing. Um, so nutrition, fluids are a huge factor. So you have to stay on top of that. So I think that's always a good thing to, to refocus on. Um, and to and to keep you focused and so but I just think about it 
to the next aid station and then I think about what I need to get at that next aid station and don't let the mind wander to what it's still got to achieve because otherwise it just becomes far too overwhelming. Um, yeah, so I guess that's I mm, guess I must do that reasonably well. <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't finish these things, I suppose. <laughs> Exactly. And like for a backyard event, like a last person standing event, you'd just be thinking about that loop, don't you? It's like, you know, you just think about that 6.7k and and then you don't think that. you don't think about the next one and the next one and the next one after that. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, you won't keep going. Yeah. I because I wanna quickly go, I wanna I wanna explore that race because it's a fascinating format and that's where you and I met and it's also something that you were introduced to later later more in the latter part of your um ultra career that you're still still in uh going to the Gobi Desert one thing that I found super impressive about that stage race is I think it was Lisa Tamati's documentary is he actually won one of the stages one of the days <laughs> did you watch that that's so old <laughs> yeah it's a freaking great documentary yeah 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 I did yes yeah so what what was that like for you you know you'd had a really you were like a novice to this game of <laughs> totally <laughs> and here you are winning one of the stages yeah yes gosh and oh uh, yeah that, I mean that's just seems so long ago um <laughs> yeah I mean I can't even remember how many females there were. Well, there were a few of us actually, and I was sharing a tent with Lisa, so oh, that was hey. that was fun because I mean she was one of the reasons I got into ultra running. Like I oh, think wow. I think my husband had given me one of her books or something, one of her first books that she wrote, which I read, and then I was like, oh, this is interesting. I could do this, and so yeah, and then then to go to the Gobi Desert and we got to share a tent together so um that was pretty cool yeah yeah and, and then I surprisingly won one of the day one of the stages but I think because I was so novice um there was a good lesson and uh the race isn't over till it's over <laughs> like um as with ultras you know like just because you're leading at the start of the race doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, you're going to be leading at the end. Uh, yeah, you, you've still got to, patience is, patience is, um, is key as a virtue. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I just had to touch on that because I think <laughs> everyone watching. I've this... forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps it... I have to get that video out, watch it again. I'll add it. I'll add it to the show notes. Okay. I think it's a it's a freaking good it's a good documentary and really well yeah, done. Quite funny. Yeah. Your interview at the end was like, yeah, I just kind of was going in a good rhythm, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, in in that, you obviously you you've done that race. You completed it. Where where did it go from there? Um. So then, yeah. So then, the following February. I went in to do Tarawera and it's another wee story. Um, I signed up for the 60K um, with sort of loosely signed up with a friend. She lived in Auckland and I live in Wellington and we'd never really run, run together. 
but I knew she was a runner and, you know, she was keen. And so it was before the days of when we had children and um, we said boyfriends at that stage. (laughs) So we roped them into being our our crew and they'd never, you know, done anything like that before. And we all headed up there or we met them up there. And um, so we headed out for the day and we started – I don't even know how many runners there were, but it was it was tiny. It was like so it was 2011. Um, so we used to start in the redwood forest at the where there's now the the tree walking thing. You can the information center and there's this thing where you can walk through the trees. We used to start in there, and um, I think it was like one flag sticking in the ground. That was it. <laughs> it was pitch black there were no floodlights or anything and it was like on your marks get set go and off, off we all go uh, but it was a glorious day and you know weather wise and it was in the days when we used to run from Rojaroa to Kaurau and so the opposite direction to what it does now and we basically were just having the time of our life um like we a bit you know we were stopping at the the smogs aboard buffets and you know like eating everything in sight and um we got to the 60k mark and we basically said see you later guys are you happy to meet us at the at the finish line at Kaurau because we're going to keep going and so we just decided between us that we're having such a great day out that we would keep going and and do the 85. We decided we wouldn't quite push to the 100k. That might be just pushing pushing the limits a bit much, but we, we'd do the 85 because the 85 sort of went straight through to the finish line and then the, the 100, you did this other extra loop off to the side. So we thought we'd just go straight on through. And you could do that in that day, those days because the courses all started together. Um, so, yeah, so we, we kept on... On trucking and all the way to Kaurau, did 85Ks. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'd had the Gobi Desert experience, but Ginny had, I don't know, probably the longest she'd done as a marathon before that. I don't even know if she'd done a marathon. I can't remember. Um, but either both of us were very um, novice and naive. Uh, I think we I think we crossed the finish line in fifth or something, um, but we just had – such a fun day out we could hardly walk the next day (laughs) we were not our bodies were not you know ready for that that amount of um running but yeah it was fun so that yeah that that was the start of it um and yes should i do you want me to carry on with what happened next okay so after that so that was 2011 and it wasn't long after that that both of us actually um, were pregnant with our first children. Well, I've only had one. She's had two. Um, and so running took a, a bit of a back seat over the pregnancy stage. I had intended to run through my pregnancy, but I pulled my back out a little bit at, at the time. And, and so I actually just continued with my yoga. At the time I was... Um, doing quite a bit of yoga as well and but so instead of doing any running that was based on a professional's advice I I yeah I didn't run but I did keep doing yoga and I was doing yoga like 
um, six days a week, right up into the day Spike was born. I'd done a yoga class in the morning and then then he came, decided to pop out early uh, in the afternoon, evening. Um, Yeah, and so basically once I'd had him, though, I knew I wanted to get back into running. And so I purchased a a mountain buggy, the, the most sort of, suitable one for for running and running on different terrains so with the the biggest wheels that I could find and from when he was about six weeks old I popped him in the buggy and then I started running again and I just basically started with 20 minutes and it was about from where we lived to where our business is was took me about pushing the buggy took me running about 20 minutes and so I would use that to start off with. And then it just became became a bit of a joke, really, with friends. They'd be like, oh, I saw you way around the bay somewhere with your buggy <laughs> running over there. Or I'd be up on the hills. And I'd do everything with running and the buggy. Like any visiting of friends, grocery shopping, anything that I could get away with turning up. In my running clothes, I would basically I would I would be with the buggy and running, and I didn't really think of that much about it at the time. But now I look back on it, it was amazing um, strength training, you know, absolutely resi- resilience and resistance and um, stuff. Running with a buggy, like yeah, it's incredible. And I got so I got pretty fit pretty quickly didn't take long I don't think to get back into running shape um and yeah and then was he was born in 2012 early 2012 and then the end of 2013 I did my next ultra and so I did the 60k which was the um Tanifar those days they did it. Um, I don't know if they still do it, but it was down the Waikato River Trail, uh, sort of in the uh, Tokoroa area. Is that right? I think so. Um, and so, yeah, it was 60K. It's, it's a mountain bike trail. It runs along the Waikato River. Uh, and, yeah, that was fun. And... I was leading, that's right, I did that, that 60K, so then, because I, that was in, like, November, and then in the uh, February, it was Tarawera again, so um, 2014, I went back to Tarawera for the second time, so I did 11, and then had the pregnancy and spike, and then 13, uh, sorry, 14, February 14, was when I went back to Tarawera for a second time. What, what? And I, and I did, I signed up for the 100K, but I'm just thinking that was the year that we had a cyclone. Cyclone Lucy came through and we had to, the course had to be completely changed because of um, they were concerned about trees falling down and stuff in the forestry. So, yeah, so we ended up doing this sort of out and back and there was a lot of rain. It was quite very wet and it ended up being about 70K or 75K that year. Yeah, so that was 2014, and then so then 2015 was when I went back. To, I went back to Tarawera again, and that was the first time I did the full 100k. 
Um, and I had an awesome race. Uh, I ran under 10 hours and I came fourth, I think, from memory. Yeah, it was fourth. Um, yeah, actually, I was just looking at a photo of that the other day. I look so young and <laughs> yeah. So that was 2015. Yes, it's great because it's just been this kind of natural, organic, progressive load, like a progressive overload. Even though I mean, you could say that starting off at the Gobi Desert was not progressive at all. That was probably no. <laughs> glaringly, blatantly in your face you could get. However. It seems kind of like you took it back and you still kind of built that progressive load. And it sounds like it was, it was healthy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> with, um, with, because I think people have this misconception out there, you know, you're crazy. Like, what's wrong? You meant to in the head. Like, again, going back to that grief piece, that it's, I think, I think it makes you more sane because you're, yeah. you're, you're getting used to yourself. And mm. the piece with, um, your son, I kind of want to go to is, um, because, you know, you are a woman and there's a lot of female uh, endurance athletes and women's health is a huge thing that a lot mm. of people and a lot of men, we realistically don't have to deal with that. Hormones, um, mm. cycles, um, different different phases, but also just the complexities of being, being a wahine, a woman. Mm. And I'm very curious and I'm hoping for those listening, if there are any women out there, they'd want to know too that are maybe wanting to endeavor into this space is how you factor that into training load, how you factor that into nutrition, how do you factor that into races if you're having to deal with, say, your cycle or you're mm. in a match where, in your case, you were pregnant and so your hormones would have been in a whole different set of set of parameters. And uh, how is that? How is that process? And how have you sort of dealt with with that in your career? Mm. Yeah. Well, to start off with, I think for me, getting back into running, and when I went from you know not having a child, not being a mother, and working full time, and you know having a social life and <laughs> all those things to then being at home with this young child, small human being to look after and not, um, you know, not working a nine to five job and not really knowing what I'm supposed to be doing and feeling like I'm not really accomplishing much each day and, um, for me, the running, being able to put him in the buggy and take him and go go running, to start off with, I got back, I used that as a tool um, to feel like I'd I'd actually accomplished something for the day, and I guess something some time for a little bit of time for myself and for my own sanity. Um, so that was really useful. Um, and just to yeah to get outside in the fresh air, um, and be moving. And I was um, I breastfed Spike as well, so I was breastfeeding, and I actually breastfed him for three years. Wow. Um, wasn't to, yeah, okay. and so it wasn't till the end of uh, twelve. 
13, must have been the end of 2014 that I stopped breastfeeding him. Um, and he would have probably kept going. <laughs> he, was, um, he was pretty keen on the breastfeeding. Um, it, and just to back the truck up, he he was um, two weeks premature. I think it was two weeks. Well, maybe it was longer. Maybe it was four weeks. Oh, goodness, I should remember these things. I'm his mother. Um, anyway, he was prem. And um, so he lived for his first nine days in the neonatal unit at Wellington. Um, so that was pretty traumatic, like having your child and then he has to stay there and you kind of get and you get sent home. Um, and then I just had to, you know, I would go in and visit him as a visitor for the first few, you know, first nine days. But um, the breastfeeding thing, yeah, so it didn't, you know, it didn't come instantly. It was, it, it took quite a bit of effort, but when we were still in the hospital, I, we were, I was fortunate to have the support of, you know, some quite a specialised team um, that that helped with that, those first few days um, and to, yeah, so then he knew what he was doing and by the time I got to bring him home, um, I don't, yeah, we were right into a, a good rhythm with the breastfeeding. So I was really fortunate to have that support. Um, but yes, what that transpired into was three years of it, which um, I hadn't really intended. It's just, just sort of happened. Um, and so, you know, it got to the point where I was doing some, you know, races, more local, shorter stuff. But, you know, the first thing I have to do is like go straight to sit down and, and give him a feed. Uh, and then I got to a point where I thought he was never going to stop breastfeeding. So uh, I actually went off and did the, the, I think it must have been the first year I did the Kepler, which is a 60K down at around um, starts in Tiana, uh, around the Kepler track. South Island, correct? Yes, in the South Island, sorry. Yes, south of Queenstown. And... Um, it's a great event. I did it three times, actually. Uh, but that first year, we used that. I went on my own, and we used that as a weekend that we cut him off from the breastfeeding. So when I came back from that, he'd had like three days without me. And so, yeah, he had to go on his own after that. Um, where was I going with the story? I well, can't remember. Uh, About, oh, just working through, yeah, as if, as a as a female and things. Um, so I think thinking, looking back um, from memory, I actually wasn't having a regular cycle through those first three years. And I think probably it was a combination of the fact that I was doing a lot of running and I was breastfeeding. But once I stopped breastfeeding him, uh, it didn't, from memory, it didn't take long like only within a few months for it to become back to a regular cycle, um, which I was really pleased about because I was starting to get a wee bit concerned about that. But for some reason, I don't know, I didn't get too concerned, I think, just because I was breastfeeding very healthily, like he was healthy. Um, I, I don't know, something in the back of my mind was just like, it's okay, you know, once you stop breastfeeding him, your body will know that and it will 
start doing what it wants to be doing at that phase of your life. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's sort of how it all evolved. Um, and and even now, I mean, I'm I'm heading towards fifty now. Oh, <laughs> um, um, but even with all the running that I do, and I do still do, you know, quite a reasonable amount of training and racing and things. Um, yeah, it's 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 my my period has stayed um, regular and consistent since um, basically since he was three years old, um, which is really cool. Um, I think it's sort of testament to eating a lot <laughs> getting the getting nutrition right um sleeping a lot like i you know i try and get to bed by sort of 9 nine thirty, and not up till six or seven o'clock in the morning so it's getting a good amount of sleep every night um and yeah and and the nutrition and yeah supplementation wise um huge factor not a huge factor. Um, I have been a little low on my iron um, in more recent years, so I do get my get some bloods done with my GP sort of about every six months now, and we just you know monitor things. Uh, and I have been taking iron supplements because it was just just on the lower end. Um, so so that they're useful you know that works well for me uh and the only other supplement that i'm using at the moment is um and have been just this year is um black current supplement currents nz yeah. yeah which i'm really help finding is really helpful particularly with the recovery side of things um yeah so Great. So, so I guess for the for the females listening and in, in their process, what I heard is is essentially eating well mm. and good sleep. Yeah, attention to moods and if you need supplementation, it would, it would pay to probably get um your blood works done. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I think if you're going, you know, if you're doing a lot of running or a lot of exercise, I mean, I find you have to be quite. I guess it depends on your GP, but you've just got to be quite um, not forceful, but but you know really explain to them how much exercise you're doing, and you know sort of convince them that you do want to um, want to be monitoring, get some you know some blood tests done and stuff. Um, yeah, some some GPs and mothers. Um, uh not as keen to you know what am i trying to say <laughs> yeah some of them i think you've got you really have to be clear about how much exercise you're doing and and that yeah that you need you need these bloods to be done them before they'll they'll write the prescription cool no that's great yeah. because it's something obviously i don't have to deal with that but for the female athletes, they, yep. they deal with this. So it seems important. And the fact you're a mother, that in itself just is a testimony to your to your power and strength as a athlete. You know, I find that admirable, if I'm honest. And my my sister, she's a mother, she's got two children and 
she's having to go through her phases right now and I've actually been writing a plan for her but what I'm saying is observing the processes she's having to go through having a factor in intensity training intensities and that mm-hmm. weekly schedule could vary depending on where she is in that cycle but where she is also emotionally mm. only because having to deal with that still breastfeeding well she stopped breastfeeding now but all these things are factored in and Mm. yeah that is for us males it's, it's <laughs> not, there's not as much dynamics there so I think that's what right. adds to the female athletes in the sport that you guys are fucking savages like <laughs> I've seen now in the sport um, that the women are winning outright you know yeah uh, so that that's something also in your Tarawera when was it 2019 you ended up coming second or third and uh yeah what is it when you came you're in like the top I'm sure you're in the top ten at least, but you came. Yes, like, yes. Um, yeah. What year? So 2013, 2022 didn't happen. It must have been 21. I came um, second female. Yeah. In the hundred miler, and and both of us were in the top. Oh, the top few. I can't remember, but it was yeah. Oh, I think, I'm pretty sure it was well within the top ten. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So talk talk about that race, Fiona. Like giving contrast to obviously the race you had um, this year, Tarawera, how how that was and how you had these little shortcomings and there was, mm. you could say, in, in contrast to that race, where were things that worked so well? And I also want to talk about nutrition too as to how that, um, how you've kind of had a certain protocol and what have you utilised and what's carried over or what's been dropped and what's been implemented. Mm. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, that that was a great race. I love that race. <laughs> and I think it's really hard to have a good race at, a, at an event, at a particular event, and then to go back again and try and replicate that. Um, and I've had, I've had this happen a couple of times now. I should know from experience. Um, you put, you tend to, because you know you've done you've done it well one time. Um, I'm referring to thinking about this year and how it didn't go so well. But I think because I went in with high expectations of myself being able to do better than what I'd done at the previous event. Um, <clears throat> but 21, yeah, it was just one of those days that everything clicked. Um, I ran happy. Uh, I was relaxed at the aid stations. I wasn't, yeah, I I spent time to change my shoes and socks. I mean, I did that this year as well, but I I think because I was happier in myself and how everything was going, that brushed off on my crew as well, so it made them more relaxed, so then they were able to do their job a lot easier, whereas, like, this year I was getting myself a bit stressed and wound up about I, the fact that I wasn't feeling how I wanted to feel. And so then they were feeding off those vibes, which made them more tense because they're thinking about how they can try and um, make me feel better, what they can do. And then, it, yeah, it's it's not very helpful. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And so 21, it was, yeah, the weather was good. It was lovely, sunny, 
day, bit of cloud cover. You know, it wasn't wasn't exceedingly hot, but it was it was a pretty hot day. Um, we had a cup. We had two boat rides, which was which is not usual. Like the original course just had one boat ride, um, but but that added a nice little element of fun and a little Edging. little reprieve off your feet while you you know sat on the boat for. It was only about five, not even five minutes, I don't think. It was quite a short boat ride. Um, yeah, it was Yeah, it was just a great day out. And I was able to stay mentally in that space. Uh, and, yeah, and even and right to the end. I mean, I fought right to the end. I ran my guts out on the last seven Ks and made up about four minutes but it wasn't quite enough on kd <laughs> it was it's probably the most exciting finish i've had in a race because it was so close over you know 100 miles it came down to i can't remember now it was close to it was around a minute or something it was a very a very close finish mm. great and then in terms of your nutrition strategy mm. yeah so, yeah yeah so um I've been using Tailwind as my base sort of nutrition since about, um, I think it was 2016. Um, before that, like the first couple of Tarawiras I ran, I, well, the very first one, I just ate off the buffet stations. So it's just like a buffet through the forest. And then I realized that, if, that I could, you know, focus a bit more and I was actually reasonably fast then, you know, I shouldn't be standing around eating off the buffet table. So I carried the buffet, you know, carried things, solid foods with me. But I, I then found out that, you know, there's only so long your stomach can handle running at speed um, as well as eating that amount of solid food to keep yourself going at a, at a decent clip. So um I I found Tailwind and started using that. Actually, I think the first race I used Tailwind at was the 2016 um Ultra Trail Australia. So I went over to Sydney and the Blue Mountains and did the 100 k over there. And I used Tailwind for the first time. Um <laughs> actually, I don't even know if I if I tried it out in training, I'm just thinking that's just another unorthodox thing that you shouldn't do. <laughs> but I was so confident in the product and I'd been talking to, you know, Mark here who sells it and also he connected me with um, Gavin who is the distributor in Australia. And, yeah, I was I was confident that this is the way to go. So I did it. And um, came I came second that year at UTA in the 100K. Uh, and didn't have any problems with, yeah, I just had tailwind for the whole race. Wow. For the 11 hours and something, whatever it was. Um, yeah, and I've been using tailwind ever since. And um, I've run up to 24, uh, 24 hours. So that's a 24-hour track race. So running around, a, running around a um, 400-meter athletics track for 24 hours and seeing how many kilometers you can clock up what did you I've, what did you clock up well my i've done it twice now and um 
my record at the moment is 210Ks. So both times I've been over 200, uh, which I was, you know, really happy about. Um, yeah. So, and both times I've solely used Tailwind um, as my nutrition. Um, but now as I go even longer, so in the backyard events, um, and I've done one 48-hour event on a track, um, with those, when it's going for multiple days, I am starting to to bring in, or am bringing in um, solid foods as well, because if you're going to be going out for that long, then <clears throat> I find that I just can't rely just on liquid um, calories. So, yeah, so I'm eating eating solids. I'm eating um, my eating. I'm eating. Oats and um, peanut butter. I love peanut butter. So peanut butter sandwiches, uh, avocado sandwiches, avocado and chip sandwiches, um, pizza, sushi, <laughs> anything that gets donuts. I think we had donuts at the Backyard World Champs. Someone came out with a box of donuts. Um, what else do I eat? I like hash browns. I remember at um, the sorry, interjecting. Yeah, yeah, that's I just cool. Remember a real vivid moment when this is when I first kind of met you at the Riverhead Ultra Backyard Ultra last year, and this was my first ultra run. I just remember observing you. I was like picking your brain hard. I don't know if you remember this, but I was like, I'm probably annoying the fuck out of her, eh? But <laughs> I just remember I was just like, yes, yeah, so we're like. You know, like, what What do you think about food and, like, how does it work? I was just asking all these questions, and I remember this moment. You had this little Ziploc bag, and you pulled out your sandwich. I think it was bread, and then you had chips in it, like the classic chips and bread with, I think, I don't know if you had Vegemite, but I think you had butter, but I think you had something else in there too, like a banana maybe, but I just remember oh, processing the cogs of my head being like, holy, okay, so this is like, <laughs> this is it, eh? you're kind of just putting all these different food groups together and just boom. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was real interesting because at that time I was I was just so green to it all and I was just like, wait, what? You can just eat like that kind of food? And I've kind of then yeah. then implemented that and realised for myself how good chips are, just salted yes. chips. Yes, salty chips, the salt on them. Oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. But, and I don't know, I just find it easier just to sort of eat them smashed in some bread with, you know, avocado or peanut butter or, yeah, it's just, or, or Vegemite, you know, Marmite, whatever. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good. Has, have you ever um, at all explored, like, more from a higher fat adapt adapted place, so kind of more utilising of the fat, or is you, you kind of just kind of all foods and you kind of works for you? Is that something you'll um, I'd, I'd say that um, I am pretty fat adapted. Like, I don't have to eat a lot like it sounds like I'm eating a lot but I'm only eating like small portions of these things at a time like I'm not yeah I'm not eating a lot and like these days I'll go out for um uh like up to like a three-hour run and just have water like so I think and I don't feel like I'm I don't have any bonking or anything like I I yeah, I, my body can cope with that. But I, you know, I'm not recommending that for someone who's first starting out 
doing ultra running. I mean, this has been quite a few years now of training, you know, of running long distances and, you know, training. Um, and that's what I've just found that I can cope with personally. Uh, so, yeah, so I think, I think I am fairly fat adapted and, and just in day, general day to day diet, nutrition, um, yeah, we eat quite a lot of fats, you know, good fats, avocados, nuts, coconut cream, lots of peanut butter, yeah, olive oils. It sounds it sounds like you're definitely in a place of because for you to go out for a run for three hours, you're pretty much guaranteed to be tapping into those fat reserves. So mm. It's a good yep. litmus test because I myself reason I say that is I myself I've gone very down that pathway and I do the same as you I have well I right. have a cream I usually have a cream coffee coffee or yep. cream some butter mm-hmm. maybe um and then go out for a three-hour run and yeah it's the body's fat so yeah that's that's real cool I think mm. more people are getting along and waking up to it in the endurance space that you're basically you're gonna be better off if you are at least somewhat um uh Fat, fat adapted in that sense yeah. you'll have that metabolic flexibility because you can tap into that and obviously introducing the carbs this is where my big shift came and this is where watching you in that race last year i was like oh true you can why not like incorporate you know the breads the simple carbohydrates mm. breads with chips and having that kind of salty minimal food somewhat still whole food too somewhat but while still being fat adapted you can have both it's interchangeable yeah. so yeah, that's, that's a, right. It's fascinating. And what you do in a race is not what I do in day to day. I don't sit around at home eating <laughs> chip sandwiches. <laughs> we should preface that as well. eating. <laughs> and I, I think I was a little bit like you too. I was a bit like apprehensive about going there because I was, yeah, I was very focused on whole foods and, and. I was pure tailwind for quite a number of years. And this is before I got into like 48 hours and, you know, more, you know, two-day events. Um, and it, so it did take me a little bit of time to adjust to that mentally mm. about eating those, yeah, foods that I wouldn't normally <laughs> eat. But it works when you're wanting to go and keep going and keep going. Great. Yeah. Can, you, can you talk quickly about that 45? 40- 48 hour race because that that one thing to do at 24 hours around the track what did you have to encounter in 48 hours yeah <laughs> again I was probably I mean I'd done I'd done t- two 24 hours by that stage uh, around the track but it, 48 hours is completely <laughs> different um well not completely different but it's yeah it's a lot bigger beast. Um, so I think um, the first time, as with the first time you do and do anything a little bit blissfully unawares, um, things went really well for the first 24 hours. And then I had a bit of sort of mechanical issues um, with my hips, one of my hips, I think it was. Um, Fortunately, we had the the race supplied a um, a masseuse on site, 
And so we had his massage table up there the whole time. And so basically you just pull off the track when you, if you wanted to see him. And I think I visited him like three times or so during the course of the 48 hours. And that just helped alleviate the tension that was, that was building um, and I could get going again. So I was really grateful for um, for them for him being on site and for the race that um, was over in Sydney, the Southern Sydney. Um, and my friend uh, Stephen Redfern is the race director. And yeah, for him for having the foresight to have that person on site all the time it was amazing. Um, but yeah, it's 48 hours around a track. Um, you just have to get, you have to just get into a rhythm. It's it's becomes very meditative, um, and you just have yeah you really have to just let your mind go and let yourself get into the zone. Um, I use music. Music was helpful again to to get into you know into a good running rhythm. Um, you need to be careful with your, your nutrition, keeping keeping on consuming to keep going for 48 hours. Um, and, and it was a lot more of a struggle with the food than 24 hours because, as I said, with 24 hours, you can do just tailwind. And for me, anyway, not saying it might not work for everybody, but for me, I could just do tailwind. Um but for 48 hours, it needed. I need my body needed more than that, and then it was trying to work out what it was going to like and wasn't going to like. Um, had one little power chuck on around the side of the track somewhere. <laughs> I think it was some. Someone gave me some chocolate, like some um, squares of milk chocolate or something, and didn't like that at all. So. I'm not going near chocolate during a race again, I don't think. Um, but in contrast, like they were providing some food and like, you know, hot oats in the morning and some really nice soups. And I'm plant-based, but I was digging the cheese toasties. They had like a toasty pie machine, you know, where you get the bread and you squash it together and they were cheesy and there was just, I was my body was craving that, so I was just like got started eating heaps of those um, at one point. Yeah, so I think that's part of the thing with these ultra events is you sort of just got to, to some point, leave your everyday um, um, rules and regulations aside. However, you however you live as far as diet goes, and just just go with what your body's craving um, and try not to put too many limitations on it because yeah, you just, you really got to listen to your body. And if they want, if it's wanting cheese toasties that aren't dairy free, then just go for it. It's <laughs> my recommendation. Um, yeah. Where was I getting to with, the, oh, with the 48 hour. The other thing is um, sleep deprivation is, is tricky. So I'd managed my previous, the, the first 24-hour I did, I had to take a nap um, because 
I was weaving all over the track and feeling very dizzy and stuff like at about two, three o'clock in the morning. The second time I did a 24 hour, I managed to work through it. I slowed down and, um, and walked through, um, you know, did a little bit of walking just when I was feeling like a little spacey. And I think because I'd been there before, my, again, my body knew that it had sort of been in a similar situation before. And so, um, had more confidence to work through it. And so the second time I did 24 hours, I worked through it and I didn't have to sleep. Uh, but with 48 hours, it's a different kettle of fish. And so I definitely had to have a couple of naps. And from memory though, yes, I had one nap like around the 24 hour mark and then another um, nap on the, second night uh probably 36 hours in or something like that um yeah so i don't know i'd perhaps, I'd perhaps do that slightly differently next time i'd perhaps factor in a sleep before i needed it for the 48 hour like i'd actually factor in 20 minutes lie down like that's right from the 20 minutes total like right from lying down to getting back out again because it takes a bit of time because your body cools down so much and then you've got to put on lots of layers I mean when they kicked me out for the second time from my nap because it was the middle of the night I was so cold I had like hot water bottles like stuffed down my pants and so like the first couple of laps I had like this big hottie on my stomach and I don't know how many coats on there and gloves and hats and stuff. But, yeah, you get going, you get moving again, and then all the layers start coming off, and, yeah, before you know it, you're running around again. Anyway, it's just a whole, I don't know, it's just, it's like a whole adventure. Like, it's all these things going on, and, then, yeah, it, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and when you think that you, it's like other ultras, like when you think, your day's over, you just push through a little bit more and you, you come on another up, you know, like you come out into a high again and, yeah, and you're like, how the heck did that happen? <laughs> I was like walking like half an hour ago and now I'm running again. Yeah, anyway, uh, it's what, pretty cool. With that, with that, I want to kind of, bring it into everyday life is like with what you would have learned in that 48 hour race or even just better yet your whole ultra career ways that people in everyday life can enjoy what it is they're going through whether it be you know they're, they're anxious they're depressed or their boss is mm. a dick or even shit like having to get through the week because i've got a extreme deadline due and I'm just trying to get through it. Like, what would you say to that, to the person that's wanting something, something quite um, in, in context to their life? And what would you recommend? Mm. So um, that's quite a big question. And I mean, uh, there's lots of things to think about. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you can, if you're in a situation that you're, not comfortable with or that you're stressed out about I think if you can 
move yourself into a different environment like I mean that's a <laughs> that's a bit different like what I'm saying is like if you're in your office and and you're um yeah you're stressed out about something that needs to be handed in I mean just giving yourself a 15 minute break outside away from removing yourself from where the intensity is happening even if it's for a short time I think just helps you find some clarity and and um I think that's a good thing about running like I often find day to day I can feel stressed about what I've got to accomplish and then even if I just give myself a, a 30 minute window um and get outside and do something and you just come back to it with such fresh eyes um and then the other part of that is like I was saying before is is nothing lasts forever like you you go through even every just in one day you go through so many highs and lows um so I think yeah when I find myself in situations where I don't really want to be in or I'm feeling yeah anxious about it or or depressed about a situation as I remind myself that it's not it's not going to be this way forever um and and to be open and to try um a variety of ways to uh change the situation so yeah like I was saying before about the nutrition is like yeah just um try things that people throw at you uh even if it's not what you you would have been your, your first choice you never know it might be exactly the resolve that you're looking for um so be yeah be open-minded about um I guess about other people's ideas and about yeah other ways ways to approach um situations yeah i love it it's it's yeah it makes i'm not kind of surprised with that answer i think it's very realistic and i think to those listening that it's it's practical because we all kind of have our own quote-unquote ultra endurance in life yeah um, there's a big race and it's exciting and it's an adventure, but there's moments where we're going to have to face extreme adversity and extreme pain, yet reminding ourselves that, you know, it's not going to be forever. And mm. having the resolve and the patience to continue to take those steps every single day. Yeah. So I think the biggest part, and that's why I'm really enjoying talking to you and why I enjoy talking to a lot of endurance athletes is because they all kind of come to that similar answer, that similar place of, you know, it's not forever. Mm. and the willingness to continue every day to show up every day yeah mm. yeah and even if you feel like really knocked back you've had to take a day out or you know or a few hours out even if it's a, a something in life or or in a race or whatever um don't make that the end don't don't you know that's not the end you just got to get back up and give it another go um you know I saw I was watching an example of that last night watched a wee feature film about a guy who had done a 200 mile race and 
he'd re- he'd got to the point where he had to sleep, so he lay down for a sleep. And I think he he said his crew told him he slept for two hours, and he woke up like, oh my goodness, the race, you know, everyone must have passed me, you know, this this is the end. I won't be able to carry on. But it turned out that no one had passed him, and so he got himself together, carried on with the race, and he you know, ended up still being in the lead and winning that race. Um, so, yeah, the race isn't over till it's over, both a, a actual race um, but in life as well. Like, just just keep trying, keep plugging away. Yeah. I love it, Fiona. It's a good good note to finish on. Uh, well, more or less. One, well, I've got one more question. Um, well, two questions. What's on your calendar next? And what what tips would you give to the next person that is wanting to tackle your own first 10K or whether it be the ultra marathon? Yeah. Really- um, uh, Stefan, I think my battery on my laptop's about to die. Okay. Can can we we be able to do like a cut there and we can I'll just go and get the plug yeah sure and start back because I just don't think it's going to last yeah, for those yeah, two go, last questions okay. cool Maybe it would have lasted. Hold up, I've just got down to the extreme bit where it's got a big pop up in my face saying, plug me in. Right, Right, we're back. That's good. Awesome. Okay, right. Okay, so next up, what have I got next up? Next up um, is I'm heading over to Australia, to Brisbane, uh, in the middle of June. So um, starting on the 17th of June and doing a backyard. So last person standing event. It's called the Australia Backyard Masters. Oh, wow. And, yeah, there, there are seven Kiwis going. Uh, which is quite nice, kind of feels like a bit of a team vibe. Um, the The concept is that the guy who's organising it started off by inviting people that had done a minimum of 35 laps of a backyard. So that that's like doing 6.7Ks every hour for 35 hours. So that was like what you had to have done to qualify. <laughs> so um, my PB, my personal best is 37 laps. Um, so that's how I ended up um, being invited over for it. Um, and then his course. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah. I forgot to ask you, what's the longest distance that you have run before? The longest distance I've run is at the 48 hour in, at the Southern Sydney last year, last June. And so I'm, I clocked up 
303 kilometers over the 48 hours. Oh. Um, and it's actually the third, um, the third most kilometers for a New Zealand female on a 48 hour, um, for a 48 hour event. So, um, yeah. at the moment, I'm sort of like third on the table for that. It's at 303 k's. The best for a Kiwi is um, 326 kilometres. Um, that's Sandy Barwick from the 1990s. I think maybe 98 or something. Um, she, yeah, she's phenomenal. She's she actually holds still quite a few of um, of the world records for really long stuff, like you know, thousand kilometres, um, six day races those sorts of events <laughs> it's another whole another level um and she she's she's still around she lives in Auckland I think on the North Shore I've been in touch with her a little bit lately um I hope I'll have more to do with her yeah um but the lot oh yeah and, and then and 48 that event it, both time wise and distance so the southern Sydney 48 hour was the longest um event I've done so far um, and then the second longest is at a backyard and that was at the um, the world world champ satellite team event which was held last October um, up in Auckland and I did yeah 37 hours whatever kilometers that adds up to <laughs> I think it's pretty similar I should get pretty, my calculator up quickly pretty similar I think it's pretty similar. Let's just check on that. Two fifty. Is it okay? Six point seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's close to two fifty. Yeah, okay. So I can do better. So that's the whole reason I'm going over to Brisbane Same. next month is um to do better. Um, and the reason, yeah, so couple of reasons why I've chosen to go and do this event is one is because he's brought together um, a lot of the you know really really good um, quality of of backyarders so both from New Zealand and Australia and he's also bringing over Harvey Lewis who is a top backyarder from the states um, so the idea is to bring all, all that good quality together then we'll hopefully all push each other on for longer and the other appealing thing is that the course is uh very flat and dry <laughs> so um it should be a less challenging course physically on the body um, than the courses that i've run here in new zealand uh so far which have been often very muddy and slippery as you've experienced yourself uh and a lot of vertical in them um so over time that amounts up and you know it's obviously harder on the body than going around a, a more even playing surface so yeah so that's exciting so that's happening next month only a few weeks oh, actually only about three weeks away eek wow <laughs> i'm definitely going to be adding that because i'm sure there'll be a live a live link or a live track yes yeah. yes i'm sure there will be um oh, wow. Yeah, I'll have to get all that posted up. Um, yes. Anyway, my coach has told me I have to stay out there for at least two days because he wants his money's worth. So, um, 
<laughs> of watching that is it that's what he wants he wants his money's worth of watching um easy arithmetic <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that'll be fun i think it'll be good i think in that one that one of the biggest challenges is going to be um some temperature extremes i mean it won't be super hot not like what they have in the summer but it's you know it could be quite warm good mid-20s during the day and then because it's there you know it's winter um and quite you know, reasonably desert like is that it will be could be quite cold at night like even like in the minus around zero to early minuses so it's going to be regulating um our temperature you know we'll you know, making sure we're warm enough at night really is going to be key, particularly when you're stopping, stop running for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes um, and your body will you start to cool down and then keeping that warm enough to then get going again. So, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited to um, follow that, Fiona. Yeah. The, last, the last question is for those people Advice. that want to tackle their next race, whether it be a 10K by just starting up or mm. the person endeavouring into the ultramarathon, what is something you wish you heard and what would you pass on to that person? Yeah. Um, I just think that uh, for definitely, you know, for starting out with running, it's just about um, consistency. It's... It doesn't matter if it's if you just go out for a ten minute run, um, but it's just being consistent with your training and yeah, even if you if you thought you were supposed to do half an hour an hour that day, but you can only fit in something shorter, just still go and do that. Like it's just about being consistent and um, that helps you. Well, it helps your body to get used to used to the to the running. We're talking about running, so getting used to running. Um, it, but it also helps mentally with completing the the task that you've either assigned yourself or someone assigned you that day. If you start to get into missing sessions here and there, I think it as well as physically not being good because that's you know, not the optimum of of how you're gonna how you need to train your body but also mentally it can get you a bit down as well because you start to think oh I missed yesterday and now tomorrow I've got this on and I'm gonna miss that I'm, I'm gonna miss another session and so I just think if keep it keep keep doing it you know do get done what you need to do but even if you just have to to shorten your session a bit, but just get out there and get it done. Um, if it means waking up a little bit earlier, getting a headlamp and going out a bit later, um, integrating it into meeting your child at school, run to school, and then, you know, get them to scooter home beside you. Um, I used to run, like in the weekends, I would like run to where we're going to 
go for our family activity. Like if we we're going to go for a picnic or something, I would run there and meet my husband and child at the at the river up the way. Um, I've been known to run to yeah, 30, 40 k's to someone's house for a dinner, you know, lunch date or something. Um, get the family to meet me there. Yeah, just find a way. I think right. if if you want to do it and you, you know, um, you'll find a way. Yeah. Couldn't be said any better, Fiona. I thank you. Thank you so much for giving me your time like this. And, um, yeah, I'm stoked. We've been, we've been um, trading messages since Feb. So <laughs> cool that we could um, get this in. And I think this is going to be super valuable for the listeners. And, um, yeah, really honoured that you can be on this platform because, again, this has kind of become my new ultra races, these podcasts. I see them as very valuable and people are really turning to audio long, long-form discussions because there's so mm -hmm. much inside and you can really get to know the person i feel like i've got to know you a bit more on this so i thank you for opening up and sharing your journey you're phenomenal and i can't wait to see you um smash it for at least 48 hours at the <laughs> yeah yes it has to be at least at least 48 hours yeah, doesn't it at least at least yeah. easy easy you've got sam harvey there so you just follow him yes well he'll yes. probably end up following you who knows <laughs> you know <laughs> who knows Let's not call out Sam if you listen to this, but hey, who yeah. knows? We'll see. I took a one piece of advice from Sam recently, actually. He had a podcast, did a podcast last week or so. And it's something I'm going to carry with me into this event is keep going until somebody else tells you to stop. Hmm. I thought that was good. I like that. That's great. I think. I think that's we could even take that for daily life yes yeah beautiful i love yeah. it well i guess that's a wrap fiona thank you so much and um thank you to those listening and watching i love you all and we will be speaking to each other soon until Great. then well you too hello all hope you enjoyed that convo how did it go what came up for me listening back to it again there's always so much that comes up listening to it a second time and just that key point of um, Fiona's perspective on when it comes to facing difficulty and you know not being defined by that not being defined by when you quit or when you want to quit and when you feel you want to throw in the towel that that's not really what is going to define you in that moment but how you are able to persevere and bounce back from that that is really how you become resilient and grow and I thought that was just extremely valuable and there's just a lot there I'd love to hear what you guys thought about the conversation and any <clears throat> any points that came up that just yeah interested you and that were valuable to you if you could just share that with me and reach out to me on Instagram or um if there's any way you want to support the podcast also you can do so by liking and reviewing and sharing through all the podcast platforms that I shared at the beginning of this episode so I'm not going to ramble there but anyway thanks for tuning in to another episode I've got some epic conversations coming up um yeah ones that are yeah I'm, I'm super pumped and I can't wait to share them with you all and yeah keep well all hope 
life is moving and you're doing what you know you need to do because yeah you know you need to do it so yeah don't wait the new year's already begun it's already well underway so all those resolutions you had just yeah just be honest with yourself and just stick to it stick it through stick it through um thank you all love you all and also thanks to fiona once again appreciate you and yeah we'll be speaking soon much love goodbye